Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Next to me is... Electro Stanislava. Hi. And... Evan Jarvix. Hi. Um, what do you do in whichever order that you want to go in? Let's just keep that order going because it's going to become a thing. <laughs> Let's go left to right. Yeah. You first. Um, well, I am a youth care specialist at CSU Youth. Um, and I'm a musician and a sound engineer and a property manager landlady. And I do booking for some shows and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I do a lot of stuff. Do you sleep? Um, yes. <laughs> More recently since, sadly, the route just closed. So mm-hmm. I don't have like a full time booking uh, venue, right. but yeah, I I just leveled up to level eight on my Morrowind replay <laughs> <laughs> today. That's how I'm doing. Right, <laughs> uh, Evan. So I guess I would start saying um, more people probably know me for my music coverage and general enthusiasm for the music scene. Mm-hmm. Just going to stuff and writing about stuff. I put reviews out and. I have a thing called MakeOklahomaWeirder.com uh, or Weirder OK on all social media, which is uh, – I used to write for a few other online publications and then just decided to go out on my own after they all folded. And so that's kind of my uh, center for any sort of original Oklahoma music coverage that I can offer, which uh, I'm still working on. I'm still kind of building that platform up. It's It's taking a while, but – uh, that's, that's probably where most people would probably know me from. Uh, I also do music myself, uh, as Jarvix, J-A-R-V-I-X, uh, solo performer. I do things with a looping pedal, uh, so people know me also for that. Um, to pay the bills, I work at a law firm mm-hmm. and pay the bills at a law firm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then let's start with music. How long have you been doing music, and how'd you get started? Um, Well, I started playing the organ when I was four. (laughs) Um, I had a form of uh, childhood anxiety, and I had selective mutism. So I wouldn't talk, and my uh, therapist when I was a kid said, well... Get her a piano or something to give her, like, some sort of creative outlet that it, music is a language. And we went to, like, Horn Trader or something when I was a kid and looking at, like, Casio keyboards, and I fell in love with an electric organ. <laughs> um, so I, like, self-taught myself on that and then kind of took over playing for like one of the first churches I went to um, when I was like five. (laughs) (laughs) There was like an 87-year-old lady that would like, you know, play, and I would play too. (laughs) Um, And then um, I I started collecting instruments around that time, Um, did recorder and violin and viola and cello and a lot of the classical stringed instruments, Mm -hmm. um, flute. Um, And then about when I was, 
I guess I was probably like 11 or 12. My brother wanted a guitar, and so he got an acoustic guitar, and he had never been very interested in music, um, and I wanted to play his guitar, um, and I was listening to a lot of Violent Femmes, which we're about to go see Violent Femmes and X, like, in a week, and um, I picked out Blister in the Sun on the guitar, <laughs> And then was like, you know what? Screw all these classical instruments. (laughs) I want to be a rock star. I want to play the guitar. Um, And then it's been, let's see, I started doing like open mics in the Galileos at like in the Paseo when I was like 15. Um, And that's also about the time that I learned how to run sound was Mm. for like an open mic there. And I don't know. My uh, brother from another mother uh, and I started a band uh, when we were about like 12 or 13, which is still a thing. <laughs> um, we do reunions every couple of years. But yeah, I've always I've always like played music my entire life. Mm. So it's it's definitely like part of me and not playing would be incredibly weird. <laughs> it's just, you know, I've shifted from where I started to where I'm at now, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, what do you got? Uh, I did not start out so young. Um, <laughs> um, I uh, really, I think I, uh, yeah, it, it was like college or mm. after. Um I mean, I was in high school bands. I played trumpet, and then I played French horn for a while. I did okay there. Um, I really enjoyed orchestra, and um, I really enjoyed listening to orchestral pieces and things. But I didn't really develop, like, a taste for music music until, uh, really until I, like, moved out of my parents' house (laughs) the first time and kind of, you know, got a feel for Circular music, which <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole couple of other articles and podcasts you can look up about my history with Christian music. Um, mm-hmm. I have two episodes of the Praise Down with Heath and Alex yeah, that yeah. you can check out, uh, which is a podcast um, about Christian music and Christian culture, but mm-hmm. is not necessarily a Christian podcast, <laughs> uh, which is great. But uh, without going into all that, uh, it was something I've always wanted to do. Um, I used to even write songs, even like as a kid, um, but I didn't really ever take it seriously. You know, I was always really doubtful or hard on myself or, you know, I believed that there's no career for it, so why bother with it? There's always going to be somebody better than you, etc. Um, and then it just got to a point where in my life, everything else didn't work either. And I was like, okay, well, I might as well do what I want to do. So, um, I just started, uh, I picked up the ukulele pretty Mm -hmm. randomly. Um, they had them on sale at a music store and they had like a, I don't know, it was like 50 bucks for like a pretty decent one that just had cosmetic marks. And I just really loved it. And I didn't really care about playing other people's stuff. I just wanted to make my own stuff. And once I got a microphone and a decent uh, recording software, Fruity Loops. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of went to town with it and started putting stuff up online. 
anonymously on SoundCloud back when <laughs> SoundCloud was starting to boom and uh, got a lot of positive feedback on there nice. and uh, eventually did my first open mic, which was harrowing. <laughs> um, I was very, very nervous. I, I didn't do an open mic until I was in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I got started at the Paramount um, a couple of owners back. And that Paramount mic actually still goes on. It's it's on its sixth year, I think, now. Cool. But I went back when it was starting and met some people that way. And just slowly, slowly kind of got into the music scene as a performer um, there's also a really good Gazette article you can read about me on the Gazette um, from last year where they talked to me about uh, playing Norman Music Fest. I played the main stage last year, so mm. I got a write-up, and it talks a lot about kind of how I got into the music scene. Part of it was playing music, but part of it was also just realizing it was there in the first place. If I didn't know there was a music scene here underneath everything that I had seen before, I probably wouldn't have ever gone public here with it. I probably mm. would have been strictly internet-based. Sure. But once I realized there was a community here, it uh, it really helped a lot. And so I've decided to make that pretty much my priority in everything is just helping that community that kind of helped me find myself. So I guess that would be my story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, some of it, a lot of it's happenstance and some of it's just you know, just giving it a go after lots of self-doubt. So <laughs> pretty considerable different uh, background from Electra here. Um, I think about as much as you guys are doing music yourself, you're also supporting musicians here in the scene. So how, how much of, like, I guess percentage-wise, how much time do you spend for other people, and then for your own music? <clears throat> um, well, up until, like, this this last full year, like, from May to May, um, I would say that I was probably working to put on other people's shows um, 90% of the time. Mm. Uh, hardly anything for myself. Um, I went on hiatus um, from my full band, mm. Electra and the Annihilation Carousel, um, which was like, you know, it's been bittersweet, but uh, we are working towards like getting back to playing again. Um, and it's like they're like playing with David Carlisle and Nick Morgan from Giraffe Massacre is like my dream come true band. <laughs> um, but I still like, um, I probably spend more time going to other people's shows um, and, you know, right now I'm trying to make sure that I don't drop shows that I had booked all the way until, like, September, October. (laughs) Um, And that has been really hard, trying to, like, move stuff from, like, you know, uh, from one venue to, like, six. But, no, I've always spent, like, way more time, like, I feel like supporting. Even when I play, even though I've been playing for so long, um, I still consider myself as more of, like, a supporting act than, Mm. like, a headliner act or anything like that. Um, And I I do feel that, like, 
I'm 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 a damn good stage manager. <laughs> um, I'm a solid sound engineer. Um, I mean, I'm very good at playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still like I feel like I I can do more for other people than I can do for myself. So, mm. like you know, do what you're best at, and that is you know supporting other musicians and and comics too it's not just Mm -hmm. it's not just music it's like the performing arts community not just a scene uh you know the whole community every every genre possible so uh yeah so i think i i definitely give more than i take (laughs) um yeah i mean pretty much I don't know if I'm quite at 90%, um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, it's been a while since I've put out any material, um, and really the stuff that I've put out, even, like, the past two songs I released were really written for other people for other occasions. Like, it's, it's been a minute since I've really done, like, an album that I've really, truly wanted to do. I've been working on stuff here and there, but it's just not come to fruition, and I think if I... We're just focusing on myself. I would probably be putting music out a whole lot more because um, I know, like in those early days, I would crank stuff out left and right, and uh, it really has fallen quite a bit to the wayside. Um, part of that's also just doing a lot of shows, though, too. Um, I mean, I don't do a ton of shows. I, I pick up shows here and there, but uh, I try and, you know, like performing the show is like such a small part of it. I usually end up doing the posters and the events and yeah, yeah. the invites and all the promo for any show that I do. And uh, even when I do a show, like if it's a show that I'm really taking charge of, I'm trying to do it also in the interests of the other people who I have on. So whether it's a touring band who's coming through or it's some locals that I want to play together and meet each other, there's there's always another element of it there too. And that's usually what drives me even more than just like my own ego or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I definitely go to way more other people's shows than I do like work on trying to do shows myself and listen to other people's music more than I actually spend, you know, working on my own, writing about other people's music more than I write mm-hmm. actual music myself, <laughs> <sighs> which, you know, is like kind of a bit of a weight on my back because I really want to, get creative and really put these ideas that I have out there. But it's it's just a long road. And I'm trying to – I've never done studio stuff before. I've always just kind of, like, thrown it together on my laptop. And I'd really like to do something more professional going forward. And that just takes a lot more planning and uh, time and investment than yeah. I've ever really had to deal with. So <laughs> um, that's part of it, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think definitely – uh, I put forth more efforts for other people than for myself. But part of that might also just have to do with a general lack of self, uh, <laughs> self-confidence self or self-value, which is something I'm working on. So, Hey, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you, you kind of mentioned how, how much work goes into putting on a show or even just uh, writing stuff up for your own shows and then everyone else's. So like, I feel like maybe there's this perception of musicians being just like party animals that don't like 
do any work. So like how much work actually goes into the stuff that you guys do, both as performers, but also as part of the community? God, well, it's like <laughs> I have so much hand, like time on my hands right now um, to like fully book like a show. You know, a lot of it's just like waiting for responses and confirmation and following up. But I mean, you know, putting together any amount of show, setting up an event on Facebook, um, making sure that like if a band drops or whatever, um, like, you know, it it's only about an hour's worth of work at first. <laughs> Um, when you add it all together, but like it really can take, you know, weeks of adding up. Well, I worked on this for five minutes here and then 10 minutes there. And then I followed up. Um, I I was receiving like 50 emails a day for like the last eight, nine months or so. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard to be point of contact and coordinator like on that kind of level. Especially when, like, you're trying to have, like, office hours yeah, um, and not just constantly work. Because um, I am, I'm a mom. I have a, 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 a boy who's about to be five very soon. And so I always try to work, um, you know, after he's asleep or while he's at school. And sometimes you have these, like, urgent level things and it's like, I don't want to, you know, get out of reading to my son, but mm. here my phone is blowing up and it's a near irate diva like musician. <laughs> um, and you have to also just cater to other people's egos constantly, which can be very annoying. Um, but like most of the time, you know, like, I, I love when you can just have, like, one of those shows. I like to play matchmaker, too. <laughs> like, Evan likes to play matchmaker with, like, local bands. Like, hey, you, like, not only do you, like, mesh sonically, but, like, personality-wise, mm. you would all hang out if you would actually, like, meet. Um, but then I would see a lot of bands that literally only hang out with their bands. Like, their, you know, or their girlfriends yeah, yeah, yeah. or boyfriends. And um, so that would be kind of like, oh, you're defeating the whole purpose of putting you on the same lineup. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. And, like, I'm, like, on several event committees that are, like, I wouldn't say day-long type festivals, but, you know, like half of a day. You've got to plan for, like, six hours of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just music. It'll be music with... Um, belly dancing or, you know, drag artists. Mm -hmm. And you have to, like, you can't just book people in different types of performing arts and not, like, understand, like, the level <laughs> of, like, work that it takes, mm -hmm. you know, especially with, like, drag artists. Like, they have to put on their face. They have to put on their bodies. Um you want to give them a dressing room. It's not like with a band uh, where it's just like, oh, you just do load in. Here's the load in time. This mm -hmm. is when you're going to sound check, um, et cetera. You yeah, know, yeah. You, like you have to like remember that like some performers need 
you know, a private area to, like, touch up makeup. Um, and also just, like, some of them want to have their outfits be a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, working out outdoors, like, doing, like, stage management or sound during the summer for festivals, it's, like... I have heat intolerance and I want a green room or like eight fans on me if I have to be in like a tent. Exactly. Um, so you got to like keep all of that in mind. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like the behind the scenes stuff is constant. It, it depends on how many shows you're putting on. But, you know, and I miss I'm, I miss and I'm going to be back there soon where I'm just handling my own stuff <laughs> um, and not having to worry about, you know, a hundred different other moving parts. So it's like, oh, this will be nice. I used to find it kind of stressful, but after doing <laughs> a whole different, like, level of it, I'm like, oh, no, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. The behind-the-scenes stuff is stuff that people really don't see, especially when it comes to uh, music production and stage production and things like that. Um, I got a really good taste of that when I started volunteering at Norman Music Fest hmm. back in the day before I was even doing music myself. I would volunteer at, like, the main stage and really, yeah, you know, see what was going on back there and I would help, you know, bands load on and load off and stuff. And there's just so much coordination and so many moving parts with something like that. And, I mean, that's a festival that's just gotten bigger and bigger. And it's free and it's volunteer run and it's insane. And it's just, yeah, there's so much that's, you know, all, all the spotlight's always going to the artists. And so you're not always thinking about just how many you know, hands are behind, you know, just one person on stage mm -hmm. or one band on stage. So for sure, um, which isn't to say that artists aren't busy themselves because sure, there's sure. lots there too, of course, if you're going to do a show right. Uh, even if you're not, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I mean, the the pretty standard image macro that I see goes around is like, you know, I forget the money figures, but it's like you you load up so many dollars worth of gear that, you know, you spent so many hours practicing on to, like, go make 50 bucks in another town or something. Yeah. And, like, in my world, that would be a pretty good gig. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, I mean, there's, there's so much that I think a lot of people discount. I, I wouldn't say in general, but there's definitely a certain populace that sees any kind of artistic endeavors as, you know, not not valuable in a capitalist economy. Right. So like frivolous. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember, I don't know, like uh, anyone who does like a Kickstarter or whatever, mm. it's seen as like, oh, artists wanting to, you know, beg for money and living in their parents' basements. Like I see so many artists get harassed on Twitter mm -hmm. just for trying to fundraise for their products. And it's not like you know, they're just taking money. I mean, there's rewards tiers. I mean, they're paying for something. Like, they're paying yeah, for something yeah. that they value. But uh, music is just dirt cheap now. And, mm -hmm. you know, people are happily giving it away for free <laughs> just for a little exposure. And I think that has somewhat devalued artistry in general, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you can just write it off as, okay, well, there's 
not much to it, but there's so much that goes into it mm. artistically and not to mention, you know, if, if you're going to make it in any kind of way whatsoever, uh, it's pretty common thing that uh, every artist is their own entrepreneur running their own mm. business. You have to have a business mind if you're going to, you know, succeed in that way. And if you're not, then you're really just doing it for the art, for art's sake. And you kind of have to live with that, that you're pretty much going to go completely unknown because we're not in a world where somebody's going to, you know, seek you out because there's so much uh, going on and everybody's competing for that attention. So you have to hustle. You really have to push your, your art and you really have to, I mean, so much of it is just marketing and just making sure everything's proper. You can't just like, you know, have a show and expect people to show up. You have to mm -hmm. get that in front of people's eyes and ears. And even then they might still not care. And, you know, I, I try to put out posters when I do shows that I care about. And, you know, I make the events. I invite people and I'll still have like one or two people show up mm -hmm. like yeah. at best. <laughs> And it's a whole thing. Um, I mean, I know uh, Christian Pearson, if you follow mm -hmm. OK Sessions, he posted something on Facebook a couple months back where he was I like, remember. yeah, he <laughs> was like, here's kind of your whole promotional plan. And it's like a whole two month plan yeah. for each and every show. Of, yeah. Here's where you mm -hmm. announce it. Here's where you make the event. Here's where you invite people. Here's where you, you know, start doing press releases and start doing guest writings and all this stuff. In a perfect world. For like, yeah, yeah, in a perfect <laughs> world. Like it's, it's very much in a vacuum thinking I mean, no offense, but like, sure. you know, if you're doing like, you know, a hundred shows a year, like it's, it's gotta be like clockwork yeah. and it's, it's just unrealistic for, um, a lot of people, I think. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And e even if you do all that, like the actual margins you'll see are so slim, mm. you almost wonder if it's worth it. So there's there's a lot of hustle that goes into it from the business side that mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, a lot of people, especially older people. <laughs> sorry, I'm not being ageist, but no, if, if you grew up pre-internet and you still see artists as being a label thing mm -hmm. where they aren't independent, but there's actually like a label backing an artist and taking right. care of all this stuff. That's not really the way it is. Labels... Mm -hmm really are only going to even reach out to you in the first place if they already see you doing this yeah. stuff because then they know that you're viable. They're not investing in artists the way they used to. So it's it's a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody thinks that you can just go viral and have, you know, <laughs> a complete career out of it, like it's, it's not only, I mean, it's even if it should happen, being incredibly, incredibly rare, it's not what people think it is. There's a lot of work that goes into that for it to be successful. I could go on. We could yeah, all go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also interested in like the amount of work that you do yourself uh, in like make Oklahoma weirder. And, oh, sure. Like it looks like you're just always listening to only this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's it's pretty realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. I don't think he listens to like national music <laughs> very much. I I do. I just only listen to very specific things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't listen as widely as I used to. I used to basically, I would go to guest room and get like a block of CDs and like spin them in my car and be like, all right, cool, this artist, this artist. Um, And yeah, right now it's, I feel like probably a solid 90% of everything I listen (laughs) to is local music. Mm. Um, Okay, so we kind of got into it, but like, how do you feel about the Oklahoma scene? And more than just music, but just the performing scene in general. Um, well, like, just in Oklahoma City, Norman, like the greater metropolitan sure, sure. area. Yeah. Um, there, I, I, I hate to say it, but we're oversaturated with amazing people. <laughs> um, and yeah, my friend group is mostly performers. Um, and the f- people that I know that aren't in any way in the music industry don't go to shows. Um, and I've been struggling for a very long time. Um, and this was even before, you know, starting to book at the root. How do we get like that crossover of like people that just want to go see their friend's band instead of like popping a like on Facebook? Yeah. Or being like, congratulations. Or like bragging to their coworkers that they know someone that's like a local celebrity, but they've never even come to a show. Yeah. Um, they've never in any way monetarily supported them. Um, and I still have not figured out that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that like working with young kids and youth, like because I do uh, rock and roll camp for girls here in Oklahoma City. And then, you know, I just saw last night uh, the uh, School of Rock Oklahoma City, like, kid, like, showcase over Mm -hmm. 89th Street. Um, And, God, everyone brought a chair. All their grandparents were there. (laughs) And it's like, hey, if you can, like, keep bringing the Mm -hmm. family members and, uh, you know, keep building on this and they aren't disappointed or becoming bitter like me <laughs> where it's like, Oh, everyone always will talk about how I'm so awesome or whatever. But, uh, when I do a show at Sauced and I'm on the lineup, there will be people outside smoking that are there and they don't even have to pay its donations. You know, mm. we'll take tips. Um, and they won't even come in other than to go to the bathroom and they'll stand in the doorway for about 30 seconds or less. And, um, but then if you go outside and smoke a cigarette, they'll be like, good job. And it's like, you're not even in there. You know, <laughs> you haven't even heard my music. Um, so like, I don't know, there's a huge disparity between like who is supporting the music because it seems like, uh, you know, it's mostly other performers. Or mm-hmm. if, like, you have a built-in crowd at a bar, they're going to pay that cover no matter what because they just want to go there and drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like some of them go and they can say, well, I got my cool points because I was at this show. But they're not actually there to listen, um, to be quiet, and, like, actually, <laughs> like, let that experience wash over them. Um, we went to go see that show at the Criterion, and 
I bon Iver. Yeah. yeah. I I wanted to scream, shut up. <laughs> How like shut up. Just listen. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And that was supposedly <clears throat> one of the better shows they've had there. Yeah. Right. Um, crowd wise. And there was there was a woman who would not stop talking, and she was, like, right next to us. It was so crowded, and she was so close to us, and she wouldn't t- stop talking. And about 30 minutes into it, she started yelling at someone to shut up. And I was like, <laughs> you're the one that needs to shut up. And now you're yelling even louder. Um, but Whatever is quiet music, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just, like, I don't feel like like people really, like, understand, like, that artists aren't doing it just to like be famous and rich. Obviously not rich. There's <laughs> just so little money um, in original music. You can mm-hmm. go to any dive bar in the middle of the country, like nowhere, Oklahoma, and watch some cover band play the greatest hits of all the band, and people will eat it up, and they will pay money for that, and they will get, they will walk away with a hundred dollars. A person in a band a night, but the original music, the people that are making art because it's part of their soul. They, it's not just, you know, something that they they want to do. It's something they need to do, mm-hmm. and there's just not enough people going to see these shows. But then you go to Tulsa, and it seems like there's everyone. Oh well, I'm not playing a gig. Um, I'm over at my watching my friend's show, and we we hopped through I don't know how many shows like a, a month or so ago, mm-hmm. and the crowds were four times larger at every single venue we went mm-hmm. to than any Oklahoma City venue, um, and I see like a lot of my like sound homies and booking friends um, be kind of discouraged because they're are touring bands with two, one or two like amazing local bands, and that will be less than forty people at a show, mm-hmm. and they're having their faces melted by this amazing show. But, mm-hmm. but that's just Oklahoma City. You know, there's probably four hundred singer songwriters in any given genre. Mm. Um, there's probably a hundred really good hip hop. Like rappers, oh, yeah. um, that are good, you know, good to work with, and then there's several that are <laughs> too consumed with their own stuff to, you know, even show. That's something I've learned. So many hip hop guys, they uh, a rap over their vocals live, which is frustrating. But will not. Oh, it's a thing. Will not even <laughs> show up um, for a load in. Don't understand what a load in is, even though you feel like you held their hand during their emails and correspondence pre-show, <laughs> and um, and then will be mad because they're only getting like a certain percentage of the door because there's a DJ and you know six other seven other artists to pay. Um, but yet they they didn't show up on time. They only really stayed for a little bit of a window before and after their set. Um, and they brought absolutely no one and they have like some of the hugest egos that goes for almost any genre of music. But Mm. I saw a lot with, um, up and coming hip hop. Mm. Um, and then like, there's so, I, I feel like there's hardly any, um, like pure pop, 
like there's pop rock, but I feel like there's hardly any pure pop. Um, Sierra Brooke is really yeah, yeah. the only. And God, my son She's loves so her stuff <laughs> so much. Um, it's like, and then there's, you know, metal, death metal, technical metal, old school, heavy oh, metal. <laughs> um, and I love death metal so much. Um, but I'm also starting to get a little too old to almost break a toe in a pit, you know. <laughs> um, and punk. I grew up on punk. But also there's a huge divide in the punk scene um, that, you know, a lot of us are, I guess, more or less becoming like air quote woke, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, you know, good people and aging and parents. <laughs> um, and then there's some very horrible, abusive people that are still almost like idolized in these scenes. And so a lot of the punk has become very divided because, you know, you don't want to support scum. <laughs> um, but yet so many people are still like apologists and deniers to that mm. kind of level of horrible abuse and and stuff. Um, but I mean, it goes with anything. There's there's a huge seedy amount of indie um, people too. Um, and in Tulsa, knowing like some good, good friends that are like, you know, DIY, like do it yourself kind of punk. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the most, um, apologist, almost applauding, (laughs) uh, uh, men's boys club up there. Mm -hmm. It's toxic. Um, and you have to really like look out for who who are you booking um, and that kind of stuff. And it, especially, I feel I wouldn't I I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or if it's just because I'm kind of a gatekeeper, a watcher, a protector of mm-hmm. multiple scenes. But anytime you like even semi publicly discuss that kind of stuff. Um, the amount of backlash mm. and and it makes you just not want to have anything to do with anything. Um, but for the most part, you know, Oklahoma City has so much music. We're losing venues. Um, Color Feed in Tulsa shut down like two months ago. Um, Chaos House got shut down, uh, a house venue like a month and a half, two months ago. Uh, the root shut down one week ago, um, <clears throat> and I have heard on the rumor mill that some very long-standing uh, venue that I do enjoy frequenting is um, like in dire straits hmm. from an insider source. I will not name that. That's fine. But if <laughs> if you value venues. And that are bars even if you value those places and you like value your friend's work, you know, make sure that you're going out to shows. Mm-hmm. Evan and I sometimes can go to two shows in a night. It's oh, easily. Yeah. I, even if we don't get to see all of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. we drop the three to five dollar cover uh, 
speakeasy is really the only place that does three dollars, and that's just because people complain and it's ridiculous. Um, How dare you make me pay for music? I know, <laughs> God. I always joke when it's like a three dollar cover. I'm like, this is outrageous. Uh, I would rather pay more. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, $5 cover, $7 cover, $10 cover, the, it, people will drop, I don't know how much money to go see people, you know, a little tiny distant dot of someone that they will never be on the same level with, but they could be going and seeing, you know, other people that are just as professional and just as good at performing live, but they just don't want to go see stuff because they want to go see, like, Garth Brooks for, like, the hundredth time. <laughs> um, or, like, what? what's that? Who's that Hannah Montana lady? Billy, wait. Billy or, uh, I was about to say like Billy Ray Cyrus, her dad, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, you know, <laughs> or like, you know, they want to go see that. And it's like, that's not even like, I don't think, like, yes, there's an experience. They have all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but, you know, I, I would rather sit close to a stage and be able to see eye, close to eye to eye with a musician and, you know, like actually get to listen to it. And and I don't know, I feel like I learn a lot about uh, people from how they lyrically write their music. Mm. Um, so, you know, but <laughs> I, I'm talking too much about You're fine. that. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I know, right? How do you feel about the scene in general? Oh, uh, yeah, Oklahoma City. Um, I, I think... I agree with most everything Electra said here. Um, it, I do think it's uh, a lot of artists supporting artists, mm -hmm. and we haven't really found a way to crack into the public consciousness. Um, I do think Christian and OK Sessions are very much hammering at that glass ceiling of sorts, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, we'll, we'll see. Like I'm really curious to see how it pans out. Mm. Like... Because I think like Deep Do Sessions was a really cool thing mm. that was like, hey, here's something that's public. But it's like, I don't know, even something like Norman Music Fest, which was like my window to all of this. I mean, there's still so many people who just, you know, they'll go, but it's just to like have a festival day with right. their family and they don't really care that much about the music. Or right. if they do, it's to see like one or two it's artists. the main stage. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, it's it's still it's like just having a whole bunch of local shows at the same time <laughs> that just more people show up to just because they're all already there having their own shows at sure. other times <laughs> and so you still have artists supporting artists a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, I I do think it has it does open it up to a greater awareness, but it's not nearly as much as I think the potential is there for and. Mm. Um, I do think, based on my limited experience with Tulsa, there's a bit more of a it's it's a bit more embedded in the culture that live sure. music is not a casino band playing right. hits from the '70s. Like live right. music is, you know, it's it's an original voice. I mm. mean, they always talk about the Tulsa sound up there, and mm. like if you're a singer songwriter up there, it's it's a big deal to be a part of that. You mm. know, uh, you do have 
the good old boys club, as she mentioned, <laughs> for sure. Mm. And I mean, unfortunately, the music industry is that and it's everywhere, no matter where you go. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as Oklahoma City goes, um, I think there's there's a lot of cool stuff that a lot of people just continue to sleep on. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think it says a lot that like, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who have done a lot to really put this in front of people's eyes to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Gazette has, you know, one or two features every single week. Yeah. And people have no idea who these people are, even though they've been written about. I mean, there was a show, I was talking to a guy recently who had a show at Resonator and they had like a touring band that came through that like got a full page spread and everything. Mm-hmm. And nobody showed up to that show. Yeah. Like zero people. Hmm. So it's like, it, it, <laughs> It's a very long fight, I think, for for con- like the public consciousness to even know that this stuff exists. And once you get to that point, it's a matter of getting people to realize that it's something that matters. Mm. And then at that point, it's getting people to realize that they have to do something about it or else it's just going to continue to flounder. And right yeah. now, we're still struggling to get people to know that it even exists. Sure. So it's so, so early on. And it's like, I can put posters out and mm-hmm. they don't bring people out. But I feel like name recognition is a thing. I mean, over time, you know, people have noticed that I have events. They don't come to them. But <laughs> it's the first step. If you don't yeah, yeah, know, yeah. knowing is the first thing, mm-hmm. you know. And so awareness is a really, really big challenge here. And there's there's so many, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, I think a lot of it does have to do with original music and mm-hmm. original art in general, but especially music. Because if you haven't heard it on the radio, if you haven't heard it in a movie or whatever, you haven't mm-hmm. heard it on the latest meme, I mean, <laughs> like, that's what people go to shows for, is mm. to hear music that they know. Yeah. They don't They don't want to drop even $3 on something that they aren't going to recognize sure. or that they aren't going to be completely pandered to on the other side. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to kind of do one or the other, and it's... It's uh, some people, I think, do a decent job kind of walking that uh, balance, that line between kind of catering and like like Mike Hosty is a good one for me. Mm. I think he does original material, sure. but he's also like a, a self-described novelty act. I mean, he does <laughs> yeah. pander and he will, you know, cater and to an audience. He's very fun and interactive, yes. which works for crowds and people will get out and dance and he's also um very down to earth and he wants to chat with you and i feel that a lot of performers um aren't doing what i have like termed retaining crowd um and that's by making genuine connection with the people that actually enjoyed um their music and following up Um, when I played and didn't have to worry about booking stuff and all I would do is just, you know, run sound or do stage management, stage hand stuff. And then I would just play, you know, I could do, do a set and then actually talk to people and people would come up to me and then, you know, I'd make friends with people Mm. and then they in turn would want to come out again and it wasn't just like, oh, thanks for liking my music, you know, because I'm so cool. It was like, oh, hey, why, 
why did you feel a connection to this? Why did it resonate with you? Yeah. Um, you know, because I write a lot of my music um, is, you know, like to work through trauma and heartbreak and that kind of stuff. So, A, if you feel that my music resonates with you, I'm like, are you seeing a good counselor? <laughs> um, but, you know, like it's it's nice because you can share an experience even if it's not like giant flaming lips, rainbow sure. confetti cannon, you know, crazy mm-hmm. costume change kind of experience. Like it's just, you know, chill moment of connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Getting into more of the philosophical type stuff that I like asking. Um, first of all, is there such a thing as bad music? I like free jazz. <laughs> um, well, I okay, I have synesthesia. Mm. Um, so that, I, I haven't had it my entire life. I had a heat stroke um, almost four years ago and... My heart stopped for 10 seconds, and I almost died, and my brain fried. And when I came back, um, I had Bell's palsy, and I was having a lot of problems playing music because the left side of my body was, like, semi-paralyzed, and I was Mm -hmm. drooling out of one side of my mouth, so I couldn't really sing even, and it wouldn't come out the way I wanted it. It was very frustrating. Um, and I hadn't really listened to music because I was just kind of like, oh, crap. Um, and then one of my friends sent me an album, and I don't remember what it was. And Sorry, I listened to Spotify. <laughs> um, but I, I listened to this album, and I was just like, whoa, what is this? Because I have mostly projective synesthesia. So I see, I see hmm. music. Um, it's like colors. And sometimes that's one of the reasons I love death metal. I've always loved death metal, but like it's so intense, it's visceral already hmm. um, that it can be like completely like, oh well, I shouldn't be driving or operating any heavy machinery because all I'm seeing is crazy colors exploding huh. and fireworks and stuff. Um, but sometimes it'll be really subtle. It and like people that don't know, I'll be like, it's kind of like the original Fantasia. Hmm. You know, where they have the orchestra and, you know, you can see the music. They yeah, they yeah. have different color palettes. Um, so I wouldn't say that there's necessarily bad music. I think that music is art and it's subjective and it's, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, and it, it's dependent. It really is um, country music. Modern day country music. I'm not talking about, you know, like some Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton mm. is a queen. Yeah. Um, but modern day country music, um, I don't necessarily get projective. I get um, I get tastes and stuff. Mm. And I, I feel like country music tastes like almonds and I can't stand almonds. <laughs> um, and it's not it's not with everything. Um, and it's like I love really complex um, jazz chords, 
Um, sometimes it'll taste like cherries or like chocolate. Um, so like it's not always just visual. Sometimes I get these. It's it's all a weird crosswire, but um, and but I don't really get it when I'm playing music. Hmm. I probably would be incapable of yeah. performing. Um, but I do get it like when I'm listening back on stuff. Uh, but I hate the sound of my voice. So it kind of almost is almondy too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I there's no such thing as bad music. Um, <clears throat> and I listen to weird noise, like experimental noise that it's mm-hmm. like, it's like a guy in in an industrial warehouse with a chainsaw hitting a trash can. Um, kind, like there, there's no time signatures or anything. Mm. Can this even be called music? No, it's just noise and expression. Um, but it's still like, you know. But I, I, I enjoy pretty much any kind of music. I just have to find artists that you know, lyrically or getting with me um, or, you know, the right instrumentation. Mm. Um, Because I, like, slide guitar, I think that honestly is what gets me is like an actual slide guitar. I think that's the almond thing. But then I hear it in other stuff and I'm like, wow, that's really adding to it. It's like a nice color or whatever. And that all depends on, like, keys, um, but having had that happen, I think more of, um, using like, instead of having a scale, um, I think of like, especially when I'm like writing something for the piano, um, I'm not really thinking about like a scale. I'm thinking about a mode instead now. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a palette. Mm. Just with just as an artist, a visual artist uses a palette to paint. Um, that is more how I think of composition of music now. Is that it's a palette instead of like these boxed square, you know, <laughs> scales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's opened up a lot of different stuff. But it also gives me like really. Stupid ideas, <laughs> like uh, writing a song that uh, you can only hit certain keys on a piano. And, like, I had, like, figured out that, like, to do um, this mathematical, uh, the Fibonacci sequence, that I would yeah. need 211 pianos. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be a great performance piece. But you can only hit what corresponds to the notes, you know, on, and then you would have like, uh, there was like some point when I was trying to figure it out. It was like, you wouldn't even touch 67 pianos for like so long. <laughs> I was just like, you can do it one on day. a computer. I know. Well, I want, I want one day to just have this <laughs> ridiculous, how many pianos can I get? Sure. Stack them up. <laughs> okay, go did it for a video. I know. I know. Well, it's like, you know, that trope that, like, The Simpsons already did it. Well, OK Go already did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just like with OK Go, you just need a sponsorship to pay for it all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Find the piano company. Yeah. And a a car company so that you can make the video. Volvo. (laughs) (laughs) 
Give me your money. <laughs> Class and coffee. It's delicious. <laughs> I drink I drink like two of those every day. <laughs> Evan, is there bad music? Uh yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is subjective. Mm -hmm. And objectively there is no bad music. Mm -hmm. Music just is. There's no bad music. There's no good music. It's all subjective. But that said, there's bad music. Or rather, music that you don't like. Subjectively, I feel that there is bad music. He um, hardly ever will say right. what he doesn't like. I'm pretty nice. If you've read <laughs> my work, I you know I, I lay the criticisms down pretty gently. Mm. I try to couch them in good intentions. Sure. Um, but there there is bad music, and uh, to this date, the worst song I've ever heard was a train song. <laughs> cool. The, song by the band Train, where they yeah. they literally just you know lift the everything out of uh, the song Heart and Soul. Mm. I, I don't even remember what the. That's, that's pretty disgusting. It's really <laughs> it's really bad. It's I I had to tweet about it. I was like I knew that one day this band would create the worst song I've ever heard, and here <laughs> it is. Yeah, here it is, and you know, <laughs> I have a couple guilty pleasures with that band. Even sure, like, yeah. You know, uh, Drops of Jupiter's kind of my jam. It's pretty great. <laughs> but, like, even though it's completely ridiculous, but I don't know. Train is very yeah. much a sellout. And, I, you know, there's other bands, too, for sure. Um, I, but, yeah, I can't even remember what the song is. Like, I just know it's like it rips off that melody and those chords, and it's just singing about the song, and then they don't even have lyrics for all of it. Like, like the third line is just like "ooh," and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, you couldn't even come up with anything, and you're ripping off another song that's like in the public domain. It's just, uh, it was, and it's you know the production's really cheap, and it's just clearly I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is bad music, um, <laughs> and I think it comes in all genres. I think it comes in all. Mm -hmm. All different, uh, you know, you can't just say, well, country music's bad. Because there's, I mean, no, I I don't really like country music either, generally speaking. But there is country music that I like, oh, for yeah. sure. Well, it's like, I, I like Americana and bluegrass yeah, right. a lot. And they get lumped into country, so. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, I mean, it's a whole weird thing. Um, <laughs> at the time of this recording, I mean, we're, we're still in the wake of the whole Old Town Road thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Finally, I guess I'm not familiar with that. Oh, way. it's I, uh, I had to. By uh, Lil Nas. And, it's uh, got Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus oh, is hey, on the remix. Go. He's okay. on the remix of it. Um, so. It's, it's, it's actually kind of beautiful. It's engineered. It's not bad. It's it's it, it is like whoa! You really did your work. You hit every single like <laughs> everything you needed to do. Um, no, I have I have a client and I have trouble waking her up, and that's her favorite song. And so I experienced it one morning, um, bumping it very loudly on a Bluetooth speaker to see if it would like assist me in my job. And I was like sitting there, like being like, okay, well, I understand 
white people like this song quite a lot. I would not want to listen no, to it again. I, I heard it in like a you know roofless convertible just blasting the other day. Mm. Um, I was like, wow, unironic listening. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, you, you can read up on all this, and it'll probably be old news in a month. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. The gist of it is basically it's it's kind of like trap music meets country music. Yeah, it sampled nice. something that's like a banjo line, and so it's like it's it's really it's one of those things that whenever the guy who I don't know put put the uh, song online and like checked the genre boxes like checked it as a country genre yeah and yeah. so it soon became like the most like like the number one country song in the country sure but <laughs> and and then Billboard was but like okay fusion. no this doesn't count as country <laughs> and so they they struck it from the country's charts even though. A lot of country music now sounds Pretty not like that. Yeah. different. Yeah. If you compared that to like Florida Georgia Line or something, mm-hmm. not that different. <laughs> so there's like a whole controversy about sure, sure. where country music is and what it is and everything. Yeah, well, genre is a there's whole, a there's a whole thing. thing yeah, yeah. Uh, you kind of mentioned it in passing, but uh, is there such a thing as selling out? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do that. I'm. I wish that I could eat. No, you don't. I wish I could eat all you would of my never pride. Sell out. I would totally sell out. <laughs> no, I, I. I. I think I'm like incapable of selling out. Um, I. I kind of always have like thought that, like, the term selling out. That's obviously the goal. You want to sell out your yeah, venues, yeah, yeah. and it and and for it to be like, oh, that you have compromised all of your core values, integrity, and everything to mass produce formulaic music that is palatable to the masses. Well, that's how you sell out concerts. Sure. Yeah, um, and I mean, I have uh, there. There's. Unless you're working in incredibly weird time signatures with modes instead of scales and you stop thinking about chord progressions in like three or four like increments, like you're writing something that someone else has written. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe not lyrically. Um, maybe you're adding in different instrumentation or like voicing. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, you, it's almost impossible to be completely original um, right. with p- chord progressions with music. Um, it comes in more with like the lyrics and that kind of stuff um, at, and tempos and time signatures. I, I actually, uh, I decided, and this has been like probably like 12 years ago, I decided um, that I was going to take the chord progression from Santa Maria by Sublime mm-hmm. And I was going to write a song, but change the time signature a little bit. And I was going to use that chord progression, but then reverse it for the chorus. And um, pretty much I did an experiment on people. I wrote a song, uh, and the song is actually very nerdily about Magic the Gathering. (laughs) I love magic. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't paid for magic in about 
three or four years, but well, I still play it. I, I have not had time in a very long time to play games. Um, but, yeah, I did an experiment, and I still do play that song once in a while. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really does go to show you that, like, if you could take and get away with it, like, the chord progression to any of those, like, hashtag white people getting lit songs, mm-hmm. um, uh, you... I don't think anyone could really steal Bohemian Rhapsody's chord progression and get away with it, like, ever. Sure. But, um, you know, Don't Stop Believing um, uh, and basic pop hook stuff, if you can take those and put them into a song, you know, people will very much (laughs) just be like, well, I like that song a lot, Um, and not really go much further than that surface level uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, no, that's true. I think. What was the question? So such a thing is selling out. Such a thing is selling out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much echo those thoughts. Um, it it depends on what you call selling out because mm-hmm. I mean, there's success too, and it's like, what do you call success? Mm-hmm. Is it defined in your own values or is it like monetary or fame or whatever? Yeah. And is selling out, you know, is it compromising or is it uh, completely betraying your values? I mean, it's just no one can agree on exactly what it means. So it's kind of hard to address. But to whatever degree, it does exist. And that would be my answer. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do think uh, to kind of echo that uh, – <laughs> talk about chords and stuff. I mean, everything has more or less been done, but there are certain ways that you can um, pander, I think. And even if you don't necessarily mean to, like there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, sometimes I make some artistic choices that I'm like, oh, this will play well to an audience. Sure. And so it's like I ha- if I have a choice between one thing or another thing, I mean, you could you could accuse me of selling out because I play rubber chicken in my set. You know? <laughs> I have a rubber chicken and I'll loop it in, and people get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. but it's Work still it's still it. a part of <laughs> me. Like I yeah. think it's fun, and like I think it's hilarious, and I'm gonna keep doing it. But it's like I'm I'm very aware that it's a gimmick, you yeah, know, yeah. and so it's it's part of it. <laughs> um. Do you separate art from the artist? That's a hard question. (laughs) Um, Yes and no. Um, I am very, like, I stick to my guns about, like, if a person is scummy, Mm -hmm. um, I will not support their art. And it can be heartbreaking sometimes to, like, like god i really loved this um i so you know you i see a lot of people that especially with you know very long dead artists and maybe we don't know this or that you know it's not like the people even around now were alive um during some of that stuff but no i mean um, like you can't support the art if the artist is horrible, but, um, you know, people are real people. 
<laughs> and they're not always like they don't have to always be on, you know, they don't mm-hmm. always have to be stage whatever. Sure. Um, so yeah, they're like when we're talking about like is the output from the artist separatable? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> you know, people people are people and people make mistakes and change and that kind of stuff, but um you know, you can't support one without supporting the other. And sometimes yeah. you have to draw those lines and you have to stick to it. Um, but also, you know, I, I like to just hang out with friends, which I haven't got to do for a very long time. <laughs> um, and, you know, it it's not always with that whole like, hey, we're going to make art. You know, we're just going to be people and hang out. And maybe something might be inspired by that. I've had quite a quite a number of songs be inspired by by other people's art, mm. <clears throat> and I don't feel it's like in a way that is taking something from that. Sure. I just feel that like sometimes it kind of snowballs. Like that gave me this idea, which is a separate idea. But yeah, it mm-hmm. it's situational whether or not <laughs> you can separate the art or and the artist, but. You know, you got to stick to your values and what you believe in. So, like, you have to be careful. (laughs) Um, I've been seeing a lot of, I saw a meme or, you know, and there's been a lot of discussion in some of my, like, more private music groups about, like, always, um, before you get into a black metal band, always search for them on the, the website for them, the <laughs> black metal metallicum or whatever, um, because there's so much alt-right and racist, Oof. horrible yeah. propaganda. And it's like, yeah, black metal, let's burn some Christian churches. Okay, well, that's tropey, and that's just existent in that thing. And, you know, they're not actually, well, maybe in mm. Norway. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, you don't want to, like, be like, God, because you can't really understand what they're talking about. Um, and you don't want to be supporting something that is, you know. Potentially a terrorist organization. Yes. <laughs> so you got to make sure that, you know, the artists are respecting humans and, and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it can be something that you have to be very aware of, too. <laughs> and some people just don't have the uh, mental capacity to be aware of that. <laughs> um, this is something I'm still working on, uh, mm. really figuring exactly where I fall on this whole idea. Um, because for a long time, I, I pretty much just did separate the art from the artist. Mm. Was always r- really pretty good at that. And um, especially since I've gotten into things on a local level where things yeah. are more visible and yeah. I'm more aware, very keenly aware that, okay, this action that I'm taking has a very close and specific, you know, mm-hmm. effect on things. Like, you know, if I endorse an artist that's, you know, somebody who maybe stands for something that uh, is problematic or something like that's something that's 
going to have an effect, yeah. you know, and it's, it's something I've, I've been working with, um, because I don't know, I think it's easier for me to think about it in terms of movies than music because mm. there's even more distance there. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I really like Roman Polanski movies, <laughs> but like, there's a dude who's like, yeah, you know, got some serious problems and, uh, like Woody Allen is another mm. one who like, you know, really like Annie Hall and stuff. And mm. he, he, I mean, I could get into film. He is a little overrated, but <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like I could enjoy those with no conscience mm. and I have a conscience now. So yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, uh, I mean, especially, I mean, I would say before the Me Too movement, but mm. especially since then, it's like there's, if, if you want to be really technical, there's so few things um, you should really be supporting out there um, because the way that all the studios have just conglomerated, there's so few heads out there and it's just kind of a nightmare, uh, which, you know, I've been leaning more towards independent films lately anyway, so I guess that helps. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, Electra kind of brought up, like, you know, if they're dead or not. Like, sure. I don't want to funnel money into anybody's, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's like I think, you know, if uh, – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because, like, what, R. Kelly's not on Spotify anymore. Mm. Isn't that true? Um, and so it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like if if there were ever some part in the future and it's like he's obviously not getting money from it anymore. He's dead and his music lives on. It's like, can I enjoy that music on its own? Because at that point, the money just goes to the studios. Sure. Um, but also, you know, they enabled this person to have a career. There's like a whole black sure, hole yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I'm... I'm pretty good in terms of, uh, like she said, with, you know, understanding that certain people are human. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I think Tom York is kind of a kind of a shitty person. Um, <laughs> I love Radiohead. I love Radiohead. <laughs> and I will always listen well, to Radiohead. Well, and it's like, are they... Uh, but he's not problematic. He's just like a shitty person. Yeah. yeah. I use the example <laughs> of Kanye. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, it's like, That's you know, a better example. mental health... Yeah. Everyone's got their problems. Yeah. It's, it's whether or not you're actually like inflicting hurt and pain on other mm. people. Because like, uh, I separate flaky, horribly unprofessional like local musicians that I know are going to be a pain in the ass to work with <laughs> um, from their art because I know that their art is going to be good and I know that ultimately they're going to show up and do the thing. But mm. you know, they're not like out to hurt people right. sure sure yeah and there's there's a lot of angles you can look at it um, <laughs> I uh, sometimes uh, going back to movies like if an actor's really good mm-hmm. I'm gonna associate the person with their art mm-hmm. in that way where it's like you know anytime I see Ray Fiennes I still think Schindler's List mm-hmm. you know anytime I see Sam, Sam Rockwell you know who has some of like you know the most colorful performances out there. <laughs> the, all the stuff I saw early on, whenever I saw him in movies, was like he always played asshole characters, and so it's like I still see him as that. Mm. And there's a lot of people who like project people's Hollywood personas onto them sure, sure. as yeah. people, and so mm-hmm. it's just a huge <clears throat> complex yeah, idea yeah. that <laughs> you can just look at from totally different points of view. Um. All right, last one before we get into, like, religious stuff. Um, what advice do you have for musicians starting out? 
Learn how to wrap cables properly. Oh, my God, yes. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, honestly, that's one of the first things. Um, be really nice, yeah. Self-care, I, and I'm not just talking about, you know, taking care of your mental health and giving downtime, but, I mean, like, learning how to s- stretch your hands before you're playing the piano, the guitar, the bass, Um, there's some really good, uh, YouTube videos and I can't think of the name of the lady. She was on this namaste TV, but it's called yoga for musicians. It's hand stretches. That's cool. Um, it stretches out your carp or your median nerve. So it prevents carpal tunnel. It'll help with arthritis in the long run. Um, always do vocal exercises. Please warm up. Even if you're a weird person in your car doing roller coasters, you know, learn how to properly maintain your instruments. Um, <clears throat> and that starts with your own physical body because you are going to be using them for a long time. Um, learn what the fuck your gear is like. I don't. Okay. A DI <laughs> is called a direct, you know, like yeah, yeah. people that don't know the difference between like an XLR cord and a quarter inch cord. Well, so, okay, just call it a mic cable and an instrument cable, you yeah. know, but like understand like what amps you're using, what instrument, make, model, etc. cetera, um, you know, like understand that stuff. And Ask questions from people that have been doing it longer. Yeah. There are no stupid questions. Um, uh, you know, um, like, those are, like, really basic things. But, I mean, I – and, and like, you know, kids, kids are going to play – music in their garages and they might not even get to go see a show and that's just because there's so many um you have to be 21 and up there's not enough all-age venues um and kids are poor yeah and kids are poor um but you know you you really kind of have to know what you don't know like you have to have a basic understanding so like you know you might not know about uh, I mean, I've known grown adults that, you know, they decide finally that they're going to play, and I'm always really supportive. But they, you know, they don't have a pickup in their guitar, <clears throat> and they've never sung into a microphone. And, like, that's fine and dandy for an open mic, and boy, I hope that they go to an open mic where they're going to be supported and, like, talked with afterwards in, like, the haste, <laughs> not, you know, not like you're stupid, but, like, hey, I really liked your music. Uh, and then kind of judge whether or not they are ready for constructive criticism. <laughs> um, but, you know, learn, learn what, learn what, how to, how to mm-hmm. work with sound people. Learn how to write a good email. Um, (laughs) Like, ask questions. I've been seeing, I mean, this is seasoned professional musicians that never bother to ask venues, what are your production and or rental fees? Mm. Um, What are the full details for the show? Is there anything else I need to know? Mm -hmm. They might ask, do I get free drinks? But they never ask, um, you know, what are the production fees? 
because a lot of places make you pay for for a sound engineer or for a door person. Um, and this is seasoned professionals getting upset about stuff that as someone that works for these venues, um, I know full well that those are things. And it sometimes you kind of forget um, – <clears throat> As a booking manager, I just I, I ended up making a huge template um, that literally was like, you know, the uh, day of show details up at the top, you know, the address and stuff. And people that are local would be like, why are you telling me the address? And it's like, because this goes out to everyone, including the touring band. Mm. But then it, down at the bottom, it'd be like, you know, asterisks, according to this, you know, 100% of the door goes to that. If you make this much money, otherwise you're paying, you know, this much per hour for sound. And this is what your hospitality is. And um, also, I need follow-up. What are your sound requirements? Because I'm going to put that on my big, long list. And then depending on which sound tech goes and picks up that show, they're going to get, if you have a stage plot and stage map, whatever, they're going to get a picture of that. And they're going to get, you know your your stuff but like i see bands that are like well i don't know what my basis stuff is (laughs) and i really feel like if you're going to be a professional you should know like you're a component of uh of a whole band you are uh, you you have become a royal we when you are in a band and Mm -hmm. so you should know um how many vocal mics you need what your bassist needs what does your drummer like? Um, how many guitars, et cetera? Like everyone yeah. in that band should know at least a brief idea <laughs> of, you know, their bandmate stuff um, and not just be like, well, that's the bass guy's department. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just know your stuff and learn. Always be nice, even though sound engineers are assholes. <laughs> I'm, I am such an asshole. But, you know, be nice to the people at the venue because a lot of times the bartender is going to be like, oh, that man was shitty and they didn't tip me or whatever. Mm. You'll never get booked again. Always be extremely nice to the people working there. Always. Always to the venue. Because sometimes they'll go, booking manager person, whoever set up that show, I loved them. And it wasn't just because their music was awesome. It was also the way that I was treated. Sure. So just, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like common sense, but it's not. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely some good points you don't always hear. Um, I'm going to, early on you said self-care. Self-care. Uh, take care of your ears. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's such a thing. I mean, everything's like louder than it's ever been. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, like, you know, if, if you have headphones on like a cell phone, it even tells you, hey, you know, be careful. It's a little louder. Don't, don't turn right it up all the way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's easy to brush off and say, yeah, okay. But really, I mean, it's really sad to see people, really talented people who mm. are losing their hearing at a young mm. age and just not able to continue doing what they're doing. Yeah. Although I've heard that there's some research into stem cells. I'm 40% deaf in my left ear, so playing the drums, no ear yeah. protection. Oh. It's important. 
Yeah, yeah. So definitely wanted to add that into the, the advice column there. Um, I Here's one that for some reason I just am a stickler about. Uh <laughs> See if your band name's already taken. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean. <sighs> Even before the internet was this thing that it is now, I mean, me and, and Levi discovered that our first choice band name, Flaming Shit, was already taken. Darn. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Google that. I was mad. My name is taken by a Brazilian, like, rock band. Yeah. But it's my name. I can't just change my solo name. I thought it was Chilean. I think they're Brazilian. They're it could Brazilian? be Chilean. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> South American I, band called Electra. Yeah. And wow. I have I have a Spotify playlist. So I have listened to them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean it's it's a big deal just so you know your stuff doesn't get mixed with another a whole bunch of other things. But it's also just I mean it's just smart to do from yeah. the get-go because, I mean, you're building something with this band, presumably. Yeah. I mean, unless you're just doing something for kicks, mm-hmm. you know, in which case, whatever. Um, but, uh, like, if you're if you're doing it, you know, really wanting to build a brand with it or just build a following at all, mm-hmm. I mean, it really sucks to, like, get big and then have to change your name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would even add to that and say, like, don't change your name. Like, if you can help it. There's a lot of bands that want to change their name because they they lost a member or something. Sure. Or, like, they want to yeah. go in a new direction. It's like, keep the name. Mm. It's okay if you go in a new direction. You have to start from the ground up. You, yeah, because as far as a lot of people know, now you're just a new band that they've never heard of. Yeah. Well, and that's and, why I made my current band be called Electra and the Annihilation Carousel. Yeah. Right. Because I lost my entire... Um, work of, you know, five years with The Uncanny Violet Unicorn, which is also a horrible name. Go with something shorter, people. <laughs> I liked The Uncanny Violet Unicorn. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, you know, I think it depends on, you know, also just how what degree involvement you have with anything. But I just... You know, I would do the same thing. Like, if I get a full band, it's going to be Jarvix and something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of singer-songwriters do anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Kyle Reed and the Low Swinging Chariots and, and then so on. when mm. you do have, you know, you've searched that your band name is is not taken, um, get every, like, just immediately, you don't even have to publish anything out, but take Get your Twitter, get your Instagram, yeah. and yeah. keep the same handle. Across it's the platforms. Everything. Yeah. So it's always at, you yeah. know, at Flaming Shit, if we're using uh-huh. that as an example. <laughs> right. um, so it, it's always easy to search. Yeah. Yeah, um, do that really early because that's what I did um, yeah. with Weirder OK. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, SEO is important nowadays. Uh, I'm probably going to cut this podcast in half and just do the second half as a second podcast. So plug your stuff. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, I am Electra, E L E C K T R A. Um, you can find me on Facebook as um, I think I went with at Electra's Music because, like we were just saying, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a mostly known as a singer songwriter, um, but I do. Uh, have some not well branded things like I'm EOS. 
when I do looping things. Um, you can find me at Sauced every Sunday running shows, um, except for the last Sunday, because that's my volunteer appreciation night. <laughs> um, and I have some more shows coming up uh, as myself. Uh, performing, which is wonderful. Um, I'm at yeah. Electra5000 on Twitter. Um, and I'm at Electra Eclectic. It's impossible to spell everywhere <laughs> that there's a CK. Everywhere there's a C. There's, there's a C. Also a K. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's at Electra Eclectic on Instagram. Um, I like eating food and going to shows and all kinds of stuff. And also my kid, you know, it's not, it's not just like a professional Instagram. It's, it's my personal life, but I have a, a pretty interesting life. Yeah. Most people ask me, how do I get it all done? So yeah. you can follow me on just about anything. Lots of hot dogs, by the way, yeah. this comes, this Lots one hot comes out May 16th. So if you have like immediate shows coming up, that's Do I have an image? <laughs> um, I will be in getting messaged by my bosses. <laughs> um, I will be uh, at Vintage 22 in Ada on May 24th. And it's one of my favorite places. Uh, if you're interested in like burgeoning music scenes like ada is a hotbed and like they have some really good support there there's only like two places that have music really uh and it, it's kind of like looking back into the past of like this is probably what like oklahoma city and tulsa were like uh, maybe not a hundred years ago but uh, you know when there weren't as many places and you know it's just i like it so uh may 24th vintage 22 Sweet. Funny. Um, real quick on the advice question. <laughs> I just, I know, I know. And we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half, I think. But um, I just wanted to add to, um, you know, her booking side of things. Um, as an artist, uh, personally, I've gotten a lot of really good experience with um, if you're going to ask for show, if you're going to try and get on somewhere, mm. be specific, have something in mind. Don't just randomly throw an email and say, Hey, I want a show. Sure. You know, that oh, sucks. God. Like yeah. do the work, actually do the work, have, you know, take some creative control in what you're doing. Put out, even if it's simple, an electronic press kit. Well, Yeah. I mean, definitely you want to, like, present yourself, too. Hi, I am this, like, say what you are in the first sentence. Like, this is my genre. Um, I, you know, and I, so many emails. If, if If I can't see it in one page of what you want, and then all the details are later, then I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm going to, like, ignore every other follow up. That you send to me because you're, like, not being professional. Yeah. And, I mean, that's definitely true, and that's definitely a thing. Um, I wanted to add to that and <laughs> say that if you can basically do some of the booker's work for them, 
God. It'll be, you'll be so appreciated. And it's such a good way to get a show. Like I don't ask for a show unless I already have some idea what I want. Like I already know who I want to play with. I already know a set of dates that I want. Um, I already know if there's going to be a theme or if there's going to be, uh, you know, what just details about the show sure. that I'm looking for mm-hmm. and whether or not it's going to be compatible with this venue. Like I just had a star Wars show yeah. um, on May the 4th and like that was pretty intentional. And I had Dr. Pants on there and I had Krim on there. And like, that was something I pitched. I was like, you know, Hey, um, cause I have contact info for the Opolis. And instead of just saying, Hey, can I, can I have a show? Like I'm actually like, well, I want to bring Krim down. I think Opolis would be a good fit for them. Uh, we're thinking a Friday or Saturday in May. Mm. And, you know, if you give them specifics like that, it gives them something to work with. Sure. And you're already showing that you're doing some of the work instead of just relying on the venue to just take care of you. Mm. Sure. And honestly, more times than not, that's not only going to get you repeat business and good uh, rapport, but it's going to get you better shows, too. Yeah. Oh, well, because you're going to be paired with people that you belong with instead of them trying to figure out where you're going to go. So I just wanted to add that. (laughs) Um, Plugging my stuff really quick. I don't have any shows coming up at this point because Mm. I've had a bunch here recently. And, uh, yeah, I've got one tentatively coming up in Paul's Valley that's going to be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Stark Art Gallery is a really cool spot that I've been wanting to play at. But uh, no official info on that yet. So... Uh, but I do have a open mic that I host every month. It's the first Wednesday of the month at the Deli in Norman, mm-hmm. uh, which does take all performance types. Um, it can be poetry. It can be comedy. A, a lot of it's comedy. A lot of it's music. Uh, we've had storytelling out there. We've had all kinds of fun stuff. So that's the first Wednesday. It's at 10 o'clock. Sign up is at 10 o'clock. The show's at 10.30 p.m. It's a late one, but it's a lot of fun. That's every first Wednesday of the month at the Deli. And that has its own social media on Twitter. Not Twitter, but not Twitter, but it's on Facebook and Instagram. At Deli Mike on both of those. Um, if you want to follow me talking about local music, specifically original music from the state of Oklahoma, uh, that's Weirder OK, W-E-I-R-D-E-R-O-K, across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. also have a website, which is makeoklahomaweirder.com and now weirderok.com. I brought that URL as well. So uh, that's my website. That's where I keep all that stuff. I have show recommendations. I have vlogs that I put up where I talk about what goes on. And I also have that on IGTV if you're an Instagrammer. I have an IGTV channel and uh, have a YouTube channel for that as well, which I've got some sweet new Norman Music Fest videos coming out soon. By the time this is out, um, those will probably be rolling out. So um, NMF was a lot of fun this year. Uh, I won't go into it. But uh, if you want to follow me as an artist, I'm Jarvix, J-A-R-V-I-X. That's at Jarvix Schmarvix um, (laughs) across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, A little bit of personal stuff mixed in there, but I tend to be pretty private. So it's mostly um, stupid stuff. Or music stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I do announce my shows pretty decently early and give you some awareness whenever I'm going to do stuff. Also, Electra and I, Electra as EOS, um, we do a thing every third 
Sunday at Sauce. Yeah. So if you ever just want to see me in, uh, improvise with loop pedals, she yeah. also improvises with loop pedals. Sometimes we have a special guest. Mm-hmm. And uh, which hopefully will be you yes, okay, yeah. very soon. <laughs> I also tend to improvise with yeah. pedals or delays or whatever. Right, right, yeah. right. So, so that's um, an experimental night at Sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jarvik Schmarvik's on all those. Jarvik's.net is my website. And I have some videos and some photos and uh, root beer reviews also. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. I review various root beers that I get from Pops. Nice. More often than not, provided to me by Electra. Yeah. Nice. So <laughs> um, I think that's everything. Again. Well, and I totally forgot. I have a website, um, <laughs> and I'm kind of proud of a thing that I finally like went fully public with. Um, but my website is electrasmusic.wixsite.com backslash awesome <laughs> because I won't pay for a website. Um, and then one more backsplash resources. I have been building an open source booking sheet, which I keep track of. There's almost 500 bands on there. Um, I have a form submission that makes it a little bit easier. I do screen and make sure that we do not have, like I've said before, any scummy people. Um, and I do, you know, listen to people and I don't just take oh, well, you don't like this person. I'm not taking them off um, the thing. But if they've done something detestable, you know, I do I do screen and make sure that, yeah. like, it's curated to where... Um, and I've had a band uh, that's still on there drop 10 different shows over two years, and I, they're still up there because I, I appreciate them musically. I just won't personally ever work with them again. <laughs> but, yeah, if you like spreadsheets... I love spreadsheets. Um, yeah, that's on the resources page of my website, and I'm pretty proud of it. It's been a hobby that I've been working on for a long time, and I used to only send it out to touring bands when they would hit me up for shows, um, and now um, I want it to be used by Oklahoma musicians, and like you can put in a form submission, and there is a write-in for genre, but I think think I have every genre pretty much more or less covered and it's not just for music now as of like three months ago I opened it up to comedy and drag so there's performance art Um, and I've also been trying to find other than like Molten Sun more more places that do like the visual aspect yeah Yeah. Um, so so it's it's a work in progress and I don't really take off bands that have disbanded I just uh, like Put a, I have like a little block that I put, you know, blackout that they've disbanded or make it gray if, you know, like a singer songwriter has continued their stuff, but they no longer have a backing band. Sure. So, but yeah, nerdy spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. Yeah. Avi, send me that link later so I can put it in the description of the podcast. Okay, cool. And uh, you're on there. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and thank you both for doing this with me. Uh, I'm very grateful to be able to talk to awesome people and have them on this thing. Uh, So I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Electra Stanislava. And I'm Jarvix. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. I have a demo called Songs with Words. You can pay for or not pay for however many monies you want to do on that. And I have this podcast on pretty much all the platforms that you can get it um 
I also recently made a uh, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, everything for Power Cycle music. So Power Cycle is a trio of experimental electronic music that started in UCO. So uh, you can find that on all of the things at Power Cycle Music. Um, I always had my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.